Welcome to Pathways. I'm Randy Brutkowitz. Today, we're talking with Dr. Ophelia Olivero, Chief of the Intramural Diversity Workforce Branch in the Center for Cancer Training at the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Olivero received her PhD in cytogenetics from the School of Natural Sciences and Museum at the National University of La Plata in Argentina. She spent a number of years as a staff scientist at the NIH. In 2015, Dr. Oliveira had a change in career direction when she became the Associate Director in the NCI Center for Cancer Training. In 2016, she became the Branch Chief. How did Dr. Oliveira go from a productive NIH bench scientist to leading intramural diversity workforce development at the NCI? Let's find out. Ophelia, welcome to Pathways. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here today. O Ophelia, maybe you could Tell me, since you have your PhD degree, a scientist who's published lots of papers, when you first were in graduate school, what, what were your plans? Where did you think you would be when you were out on your own? Sure. Uh, it's a while ago, but anyway, um, at that time, uh, it was uh, always in my mind to do research. Uh, I was in Argentina then, and I had an opportunity to continue my education there to finish and to do a, a research after I obtained my PhD. And that was fabulous. And as usual, when you don't expect, you get an offer. And I was offered a fellowship to come here to, to the U.S., to the National Cancer Institute. So, and you've been there for, for years now, and, and was there really a defining moment? I want to, I'm going to jump ahead, and then we'll come back, but was there a defining moment where the, when the opportunity presented itself to be involved in, in diversity workforce development that uh, you kind of jumped at the opportunity? Yes. Yes, it was. And uh, basically, it was something that I was developing anyway. While I was a staff scientist, I was always involved in uh, outreach and uh, mentoring, helping underrepresented minorities to navigate the organization, to apply for jobs or so. So that was my second passion while I was doing bench. But it was a defining moment when I had to make a decision. It was when the lab was going to close because the principal investigator was going to retire. So at that time, my options were either move to another lab or, like the director put it, do you want to come and help us with the diversity initiatives? And I jumped into that because I said, well, Everything I was doing on the side, it will be now my work, my job every day. So by doing that, uh, I think that was a defining moment. I had to make a decision, and I, I am very happy that I made it. Yeah, like you said, sometimes the opportunities are unexpected as well. And since you already had a second passion in this area, it's an opportunity really to jump in with both feet. So rather than trying to do two things, you got to do one thing, and, and, but also use your experience as a scientist who was very productive to help lead by example 
and have the the young folks who are you trying to encourage to enter careers as scientists? Uh, you're just that, that great example for, for folks. Could you tell me what a typical day for you looks like now in terms of your, your branch chief position? Yes, sure. Um, I would like to, to piggyback a little bit on your last point about making the decisions and is to tell you that when you have multiple passions, it's always good to know that there are such. Uh, it, it always, when you are going to make a transition or to change, it always requires a long talk to yourself and an interjection and to identify uh, those areas that will be really putting you in different uh, environments, in different places where you will be thriving. So a typical day here is um, a day with a, a lot of unexpected things like phone calls or, or new programs to start or um, I, we have programs mainly. It's a center for cancer training that is dedicated to career development and other types of activities that we really give a lot of uh, importance and relevance inside this intramural um, uh, component of NIH. So uh, one of the programs is for postdocs. We take these postdocs during eight months with us, with coaching, with mentoring, with uh, workshops, other activities, a community activity. So that implies we need to uh, structure those activities, provide the, the content, etc., coordinate those, and also think about it. Another group of activities uh, is, uh, gravitates around staff scientists. And it's because people like I was, staff scientists, sometimes are thinking in transitioning. And unless they have a little bit of coaching on how to do that, it's very hard. Because we are growing up with a mentality of this is the only thing I'm good for. I only know how to pipette in this lab, not even in another lab. And it's not true. It's just that we need to refocus and repackage our skills, um, our talents to apply to different jobs, to different positions, to different alternatives. They are not going to be easy. They are all going to be challenging, but that's what we want, right? So another part of the day is that. Another part of the day is working on outreach, trying to identify these underrepresented minorities that could be uh, having a lot of talent and could really bring a lot to our organization, but they don't know the organization. They need to learn more. They don't need to be scared about. So working as a chaperone or helping them navigate the organization, that's also part of the day. Yes, meetings, there are meetings too. And some of them really productive, and some of them need to be massaged a little bit. Uh, so there are areas that are more exciting than others for my personality, and that's when I am in the field, and I am able to really tell people what the NCI is about. Now, I think that's really great. I'm, as you piggyback on one of my questions, I want to piggyback on one of your answers, which when you talked about the transition, the amount of stress that people really uh, 
feel that they're under, particularly when, like you said, all I know is, is how to be a scientist. I can't be something else when people don't always realize what their graduate training does for them in a very wide variety of areas such as program, man program management, things like that, communication, scientific communication, where it's really critical for folks to realize they have a multitude of talents that they can use in a lot of different directions. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the problems you've had trying to get that message across and maybe some nice examples of people realizing, yeah, I can do lots of things, and then they ended up going down a different path. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you for bringing that up. I think the stress, the, the transitions are not easy. Let's start all, all in the same place. Uh, but there is a lot of anticipation. If we could reduce the anticipation, all these voices that tell us you are not going to be able, or this ad is not for me, but because when we look at an ad or an opening or a position, we start looking at the no, no, I don't qualify for this, or no, no, this is intended for people who have this degree. Or we do that spontaneously. Once we realize that it's not like that and that people that we take as role models have transitioned with our same degree and, or talents and have been successful, then we slow down a little bit and, and release the stress that that anticipation is putting in our heads. Once we feel that liberation is when we really can start thinking about our talents identify the talents, reshape them, naming them differently. Uh, examples of that, for instance, are when, when you apply to a work, to a job like I did uh, in USA Jobs, which is a, an engine that um, concentrates all of the government jobs, the language there was not created for scientists. It was not. So when you read that, you want to escape. You you can you don't think you qualify for anything. It's just understanding that, for instance, uh, writing reports. Well, maybe you didn't write a report, but you wrote a protocol. Maybe you didn't write a document addressing an issue, but you wrote a paper. So it's just not uh, limiting yourself with your skills. You have them. You can read package them, the way they interpret them. So in, in one word, Randy, this is what I would like to say. Uh, do not block yourself from any position because there is a lot to learn in every uh, opportunity that is presented. And, and the, the base is there. You have everything. Like you say, communications, you presented in lab meetings. Even if you were not a keynote speaker at a conference, it's the same skill, right? It's the same. The public is different. So even when you have a one-on-one -on -one with your boss, you are practicing communications. When you have a very small group, lab group uh, or data club, whatever, you also are practicing communications. So... Um, we need to really be a little bit less modest and appreciate all the skills we have that go beyond pipetting in this lab. One of the things that you had mentioned in terms of the 
use of your skills beyond knowing how to use a pipette is that you use what you've learned, whether it's communication skills, whether it's reading skills, whether it's writing skills. So in your job that you currently have, how are you using your graduate education? Absolutely. I think you mentioned it before when you indicated that if you would like to invite people to join your organization or to do science, or if you are uh, trying to convince minorities that STEM is a is a, a profession then, or is a choice, then you have to have navigated that road, right? How can you understand what publication means, authorship means, um, issues in the lab, graduation? I mean, how can you, unless you have navigated that? And even when I was not uh, specifically in academia, I was in NIH, which is a non-academic non uh, organization, it's a center for research, right? I uh been like almost for 30 years knowing the the uh, issues that run inside the lab in not only my lab many other labs and many colleagues that I have is critical is critical to uh attract people for because the enthusiasm I had in my career I enjoy every single thing discovery was something so uh important for me even even more than publication if you wish just being behind the microscope and being able to see things so unless you experience that deeply you cannot convince that many people of it so i appreciate that and i think people appreciate that i'm talking to them sincerely uh bringing uh, wanting to share with them the best of what i have so you're presenting to them your credibility because you've been there you've done that you can they can relate or you can relate to them and they appreciate that because the connection is there and they're going to be a lot more likely and and welcoming to the advice that you give and, and maybe some directions for them that would be helpful because the folks who you serve are individuals in many ways sometimes feel as though that because of the, their conditions being brought up, their backgrounds, their, that's whether it's their racial, their, their gender backgrounds, their gender orientation, where they grow up, sometimes they don't have the, the pats on the back and the, the incentive and belief that they can handle it. And certain folks just need that extra pat on the back, that extra help to know, you know, you can do it. Believe in yourself because I believe in you. How do you get, uh -huh. how do you get that message across? Because I know that you, you mentor a lot of young folks and, and yeah. I, I mean, of a wide variety of ages. But I think the message is pretty much the same, isn't it? The message is the same. It's, uh, uh, I believe in you. And it's not just a message. I really believe in them. And when they've been in my lab, they, it's a, it's a, if the person who enters is not the person who leaves, even in the summertime, because the opportunity is there and because I am a real role model. It's not that uh, it's a person that they see somewhere in a newspaper or in a conference, in a keynote, uh, you know, uh, stage. 
I'm here, I'm working with you, I'm vibrating with you, I'm discussing with you. And if I don't know the answer, I say I don't know. And that is like, oh, <laughs> it breaks all the dogmas. And I believe in you, and you can do it. Why not? You are going to apply for that conference. You are going to apply for that grant. You are going to go present your data in front of those. What? Yes, because you can do it. So when you do that, really honestly, that connection is, is clear. It's, it's more than words, and you don't need to make any effort. The, the rest, you just put a seed and a little bit of water. Then the rest, they, they take it with them. And I did that with students. But now, in my new capacity, I do that with postdocs too. Because the postdocs, I know what they have been do, going through also, and I know their fears, and I know their um, uncertainties. And I'm able to tell them, you can do it. You, can, you are not only able to pipette, you can do many other things, and provide examples, and give them connections or so. So, yeah, people really uh, um, think I'm very uh, I'm enthusiastic, which I am, but I'm really, I'm not telling lies. Everything I say, I did. So it's true. It's tangible for them. One of the things that you said, which I always, I'll, I'll say in a lab, hopefully not, I don't always say it, but I do say it because it's true, is that I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. It's I expect you to come up with ideas that I haven't thought of too. And to me, that I think when you're, when you're growing as a scientist, you're a young scientist and you're being trained, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to know everything? <laughs> it's okay, I can be human? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of the, uh, the, the most uh, obvious shocks that the individuals uh, get when they come to the lab or when I said, oh, that's interesting, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yes, because we are in that shell and, you know, uh, our voice and we bounce it with people in our lab. So somebody from outside can bring a lot of knowledge that really will help you move your project forward. Yeah, lots of ideas because everybody has a different perspective. And you talked about postdocs who you've uh, been training as as well, helping them in your in your in your current capacity. How many of those postdocs? I guess it doesn't have to be a number, but some of those don't ultimately go into research careers. And what are some of the areas that that these folks have have gone into? Um, some of them, in my course, this course that I run, the career development course, that is eight months, most of them come with the idea of being principal investigators or going to academia. And many of them, after a deep uh, introspection and a, a talk to themselves, they realize they have other passions that they would like to pursue. Some of them, uh, have uh, tried to, uh, and are working now in the Food and Drug Administration as uh, reviewers and using uh, their skills to basic the, the basic science they understand in immunology or in different areas, trying to do, to help with regulatory activities. Some of them do research in the Food and Drug Administration. Others have moved to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control uh, Prevention. Um, others moved to the uh, uh, industry. Uh, they're very happy with that. Um, others have moved into academia. 
let me think other outcomes. Ah, some of them are mo uh, moved into the um, American Association for Cancer Research, working with their programs, either for training, education, or to generate new conferences, identifying gaps. Many of them move into the intramural, extramural components of NIH, who, who is the, uh, the group you probably know more that deals with grants, program officers, and we have training grants, but also the scientific grants. So there are uh, those areas that they have been exploring. And they are not super postdocs, they are the postdocs like yours and any, anybody else, and the skills are transferable. Again, you are going to learn the, the details of a new profession, but uh, those skills uh, already uh, make you able to, to work in different capacities. Now, one, one of the uh, postdocs down the hall for me when I was uh, at the NIH as a postdoc, he ended up going to uh, be a patent examiner. Ah, uh, yes. And that, he loves it. And I think that's really the most important thing is because he's using his scientific knowledge to assess patents. It's great for, for him. Others, uh, patent examiner is another possibility it's here in Washington and people who are working there enjoy a lot to be in the very cutting edge of science because they are really the ones who are in front of that research, the first uh, to read them and to evaluate it. Um, they also the triple AS, uh, uh, the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences, that is in Washington, uh, recruits postdocs for their for their different programs. They are really expanding a lot among uh, many areas of science, and they look for postdocs. Yes, uh, some companies look for our postdocs directly. Um, there are uh, many opportunities there in which uh, postdocs are, are needed. And now I think there is a, a better appreciation of changing the traditional careers and uh, those careers that are not bench bound and where you can really be creative and flourish in different aspects of, of, of science that are not necessarily by petting or teaching. Right, and, but, but there are mechanisms at, say, NCI, for example, where they are looking at, let's say, research associate type or research scientist level positions for folks who, I think it's an R50-something, uh, I think, where, I mean, NCI kind of has, uh, has uh, been ahead of the curve on that. Yes, yes, because I think... Uh, people who transition need to be supported centrally, not just let me see what happens and being even a little bit, uh, I'm going to disappoint so many people if I go this road. I've heard that a lot. And, and before it was more prevalent. Now, I think there is this array of opportunities that we have in front of us that we can explore. And I really encourage people to explore them because uh, they are there for a reason. And, and it's the most creative aspect of our profession, I think. So um, they need to have support. Uh, professional associations, that's another place to go. Uh, and, and that's when your science is really needed, yeah. 
it's amazing how many opportunities people have where they can take exactly what they've, they've uh, been trained to do in a totally different area, or it looks like it's a totally different area, but they're still using their graduate education every single day. And they're, and they're contributing in, in different ways. So if, if you kind of answered this question, Ophelia, but it's like for, for you, the most re rewarding part of your job, even give an example, if you have somebody you can think about uh, who really said, made the experience you had with them made you feel, yeah, I'm really glad I'm doing this. Uh, right. Uh, it, it's the same that it was before when I was in the lab and working on the side. Uh, in the lab, it was discovery. In 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 this uh, part of my job, I think I have a, a very direct impact on the lives of others. Totally direct. Uh, when when a, a postdoc leaves the lab and it tells you, I wish I could be as important in the life of somebody else as you have been for me. That's when you know you made it because it's not for this person, it's for the other ones. When you, when your effect is multiplicative and you know you are generating a culture of mentoring and helping and outreach, that is when you realize you are in the right track. So impacting people and being able to make them believing themselves in a, such a direct impact, opening the door for people that never have, have, would have had the chance to come here, and, and providing just the door for them to follow and pursue a career in science, that's, I can really, that's what makes me remove the covers in the morning and come to work, because I know that possibility is there. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, for me, I've always felt that as a mentor, it's no longer about you. And if you work for uh, helping advance your, the people you train, your mentees, your protégés, then that to me is the most satisfying part of the things that I do. And when somebody who's been a graduate student in my lab and goes as a postdoc somewhere or, or gets a job somewhere else and, and their boss tells me that you've trained this person very well, it makes me feel very good because I'm, I try to be a little bit more hands-on at first, but as they grow, I back off because I feel that they need to be independent and they need to, it's sort of like you know, getting the, letting the birds fly from the nest and, and give them the best opportunities I can and the best training I can and advice I can, but the rest is up to them. And I've been extremely pleased with uh, the folks I've had the great pleasure and honor to train in my lab. Yes, it's, it's, it's a real, you just said it right. It's not about you, it's about them. And it's not even about them. It's about the ones they will be mentoring, right? Uh, the F2. <laughs> So, uh, and if that persists, then you think you're done. You can retire and you know this is going to grow and it's going to be a culture of mentoring, mainly a culture that embraces diversity as it should be. Absolutely, because that's where the strength is. O Ophelia, I have one last question, and that is, is there a question I should have asked you but I didn't? Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, because I spoke so much about the positive 
of the transition and change, um, the question will be, what were the bad parts? Uh, was it easy to transition? Because it was not easy. Yeah, so what were the challenges that you had, the challenges you had to deal with during your transition? Uh, the first change, uh, people probably are changing or transitioning earlier in their careers. I transitioned at the end of my career when I had almost 30 years of experience. So for me, being a scientist at the bench was a whole identity. Uh, and to, to, to hang the lab coat wasn't easy. I was the go-to person. I had an empire I have built about uh, science, a science topic I was identified with. And to abandon all of that wasn't easy. So I came here to the, from the bench to the desk, a little bit deprived of that shell of that was your identity. And I was trying to start building the new one, not knowing a lot of things, how do they operate here? So, um, what, uh, and it took me a while, but of course it was okay, like everybody said it would. But what I would advise others uh, that, that transition so late, or even if it's not that late, is to give yourself time. Because you don't become a different person overnight, not over weekend. <laughs> you need time to, to, to let go slowly without pressures and to bring and embrace what is coming. It's a new thing and new things are always good to learn about. And if you provide yourself with time and, and slow down the anxieties, um, the transition will will go smoothly and you will grow with it. So that will be my advice and the not that uh, all uh, unicorns and rainbows <laughs> vision of, <laughs> of transition. A realistic view, but nonetheless one where you've really been rewarded in what you're what you're what you've done and what you're doing so i feel that's a wonderful thing to end on so thank you very much with that you're welcome so i'd like to thank my guest dr ophelia olivero for sharing the steps she took in her career path going from bench scientist to high level leader at the nih as well as the benefits she provides for others and the satisfaction she gains from their success i also thank all of you for joining us on this podcast today Remember, you can find us on the Indiana University School of Medicine's website, SoundCloud, and on iTunes under IUSM Pathways. Also, in addition to the audio from our broadcasts, for some of our interviews, we have captured the video as well. Those can be seen on the IUSM Pathways YouTube channel. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore the career path of another professional who holds a PhD which landed them in a current and very exciting position. I'm Randy Bartkowitz. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Bartkowitz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine. <laughs>